we find that blood and water is necessary in the birthing process. Uh, any woman who's coming to that later days of her pregnancy, and it's kind of the waiting for the water to break. But there's blood and water in the process of giving birth, and so too is there blood and water, the mixture of blood and water when the church itself was birthed. R.A. Torrey said, A theology without a crucified Savior, without the atoning blood, won't draw. It does not meet the need. No, no, the words of our Lord are still true. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at a passage called Behold the Lamb, John 19, verses 23 through 42. And I broke it into five sections. I broke it into its natural sections. The Lamb and the Soldiers, verses 23 and 24. The Lamb and His Mother, verses 25 through 27. The Lamb and His Thirst, verses 28 through 29. The Lamb and His Death, verses 30 through 37. The Lamb and His Tomb, verses 38 through 42. The Lamb and His Death, in verse 30, that sixth cry, When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. In the Greek, in John's Gospel, the word is tetelo. And it means to be complete or to bring to an end. It is finished. He's crying out that I have accomplished everything necessary for the salvation of mankind. It is finished. Tetelo. If you'd spell that in English, we would spell it T-E-L-E-O. Jesus, his work had been accomplished. The price of our sin had been paid. The prophecies of the Messiah's redemptive work had been fulfilled. And our redemption was made complete. Again, prophecy in Daniel 9.26. Daniel tells us after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Messiah was cut off there on the cross, but not for himself. He died for our sins there upon the cross. Uh, The first gospel found in Genesis 3.15, where God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. 
prophecy being fulfilled while Jesus was there on the cross. But notice that it's the Lamb who gave up his spirit. Jesus said there in verse 30, It is finished to tell And then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Jesus had earlier said in John 10, verses 17 and 18, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Jesus gave up his spirit. Jesus died physically in accordance to his Father's command, but the Roman soldiers didn't take Jesus' life from him. He called the timing of these things. He said, I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. Speaking about his death and his resurrection. And so Jesus, the lamb, and his pierced side in verses 31 and through 34. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and then the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Now Jewish law prohibited that anybody should be left hanging on a tree overnight. I, I find this very interesting that this was in Jewish law because the Jews did not crucify people. In fact, when Moses put this in, God gave this command to Moses, Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23. Crucifixion had not even been invented yet. It was not an act that was done. And yet we find in the book of Deuteronomy, verse 22 and 23 of chapter 21, if a man has, been com has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. And Paul would connect this in Galatians of Jesus hanging on the cross. He who is hanged is accursed of God. But what I want you to notice that they did this in connection to Scripture. Now, the Roman soldiers did not care about Jewish law. But because it was Passover, they appeased the Jews by taking the bodies off the cross. Roman soldiers would leave the bodies hanging there for a long time. Now, this is a great deterrent in crime. You could take your kids by on the way to the market. So you don't listen to your mom and dad. See what happens? As you walk by those bodies, a cruel method of teaching, but nonetheless, it was there. But this was a high day. This was Passover. John tells us specifically in verse 31 that it was not only the Sabbath, but that Sabbath was a high Sabbath. Now, this could simply mean that it was the Sabbath during the Passover week, and so it made it a high Sabbath. But it also could mean that this was the first day of unleavened bread. It also could mean that this was not a Saturday, but 
a Thursday evening or Friday. The Sabbath, if you know Jewish law, goes from uh, sunset to the next day when the sun sets again. So from dusk to dusk. So traditionally, the Sabbath day is on Friday evening when the sun sets until Saturday evening, until the sun sets again. That is the Sabbath of the Lord. But there are in Scripture when there were these uh, feast unto the Lord, like Passover, there were the high Sabbaths or a Sabbath that fell on another day of the week other than what we would say a Saturday. And so it could be that John has given us a clue that Jesus didn't die on a Friday, but a Thursday. I can't prove it, but I just place it out there. It would allow Jesus to be in the grave three days and three nights. It's Jesus who said in Matthew 12, 39 and 40, uh, speaking to the Jews, saying an evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign and no sign will be given except the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So it could be that John gives us a little clue. Some would argue that it was just a uh, Passover Sabbath, that's why it's called a high Sabbath. Others might say that it was a high Sabbath because it was a Sabbath that uh, connected to the Passover but fell on another day. And that's how it is in Scripture, that if there was a, a special day of the week, you know how our days of the week move. Christmas is not on the same day every year. It moves. It's on a Tuesday this year, by the way. So did these high days. They moved throughout the week. Now, the broken bones, well, it's considered an act of mercy. It doesn't sound like mercy to us, but death on a cross would take a long time. And the only way an individual could properly breathe, and it's not a proper way to breathe at all, but the only way that they could breathe is to raise themselves up on their feet that they could draw in a breath, but also they had to raise themselves up on their feet to exhale the breath. And so they had to use their legs to breathe. And so there would be this constant motion of raising themselves up and then back down again because they were losing strength. And then, of course, if they break the legs, they had the inability to raise themselves up only by the uh, arms themselves. And by this time, I had heard uh, medical science say that crucifixion would actually stretch the joints by some six to nine inches. Can you imagine that? So they would suffocate. They would die quickly. But Jesus, they didn't break a bone. And again, Scripture is fulfilled in two different ways. First, by Jesus' bones not being broken as he remained there on the cross as the perfect Passover lamb. Exodus 12, 46 tells us, In the house it shall be eaten concerning the Passover lamb. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. We've got Thanksgiving coming up this month. I don't know if any of us, when we're carving the turkey, are going to be too worried about not breaking a bone. I'm going to cut through those bones. But the Passover lamb... They had to be careful. Can you imagine? I mean, this was Jewish law. You don't break a bone. So they had to be careful as they pulled the meat off of that animal. Jesus' bones 
was not broken. John tells us that, but it was also prophesied in Psalm 3420. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Secondly, a prophecy is fulfilled through the piercing of his side. This soldier unknowingly fulfilling prophecy in Zechariah 12.10, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look upon me whom they pierced. I find it interesting that this soldier who is not a believer unknowingly fulfilled the very word of God, but also the blood and water poured out. It gives us a glimpse of the suffering of Jesus. Again, uh, the blood and the water being combined like this. Medical science would say that Jesus died of a ruptured heart. But also we know a scripture in Psalm twenty-two, fourteen: I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is melt like wax within me. We find that blood and water is necessary in the birthing process. Uh, any woman who's coming to that later days of her pregnancy and if she's not going to have a C-section today, it's kind of the waiting for the water to break. But there's blood and water in the process of giving birth. And so too is there blood and water, the mixture of blood and water when the church itself was birthed. R.A. Torrey said, a theology without a crucified Savior, without the atoning blood, won't draw. It does not meet the need. No, no, the words of our Lord are still true. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. We have a faithful testimony by John in verses 35 through 37. John said, and he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe for these things were done that scripture should be fulfilled, not a bone. One of his bones shall be broken. And then another scripture says they shall look on him whom they pierced. I already gave you those scriptures. But John, remember, he was near to the cross. He was an eyewitness of these things. And he said, I testify of these things and my testimony is true. John 21, 24 tells us that this disciple who testified of these things and wrote these things, he says, we know that his testimony is true. I want you to notice that John supported his testimony with the word of God. He said, I know that my testimony is true and these things happen that it would be accordance to what was written. Not a bone of his should be broken and that they pierced his side. John supported his testimony by the word of God. I don't know if you guys kind of get a man. I wish you would stop doing this. But every month I give you a memory verse card and then we have them up on our screen. We say the verse together and we've even added in this year between the songs, the verses popping up just like in Sunday school. Sometimes some of the words missing that you can fill in the blanks. The reason I do this is because I want us to know the word of God. When we share about Jesus, we're able to use the word of God. I don't have any problem with sharing our story, our testimony with others. But I think it's important that we learn to back it up with the word of God. Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes 
to the Jew first, but then also to the Greek. But then also we learn concerning the word of God in Isaiah 55, 11, So my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return void to me, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. And the importance of using the word of God, let the word of God have its way in the lives of those whom you a witness to, whom you talk to about Jesus. I want us to remember that it takes a bloody and messy sacrifice to bring healing to our messy and broken lives. Will you come to the Lamb's side where the blood and water flows? And finally, the Lamb in his tomb. Verses 38 through 40, we learn that of two who had once been secret disciples, no longer. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. And so he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds, and they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as it was custom of the Jews to bury. All four Gospels mention Joseph of Arimathea asking Pilate for the body of Jesus. And as we combine the Gospels together, we learn that Joseph was a rich man, uh, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin court. He was a good and just man, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he also became a disciple of Jesus Christ. Only John tells us of this other disciple, Nicodemus. And he has shared about Nicodemus from John chapter 3 to John chapter 7 and here in John chapter 19. And Nicodemus, Jesus called him the teacher of Israel back in John chapter 3. He was part of the Sanhedrin court there in John 7 when the leaders uh, showed an unfair bias concerning Jesus, Nicodemus questioned them concerning this unfair bias, and they responded to Nicodemus, John seven fifty two. Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen from Galilee. Personally, I believe Nicodemus was challenged to search and to look, and no doubt he discovered that Jesus it's exactly who he said he was, proclaimed to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, Joseph and Nicodemus took Jesus' body. They wrapped it in this linen clothing with this mixture of myrrh and aloes and various spices, and they placed the Lamb's body in, in the tomb, a tomb that Joseph had hewn out for himself. And when Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus, it tells us in Mark 15:44 that Pilate marveled that he was already dead. And he actually summoned one of the soldiers, say, is it true? Did he die? And yeah, he's, he's dead, stuck a spear in his side. But they, uh, they knew how long it should take for a body to die like this. It's a reminder again that no one took Jesus' life from him. He gave it up for us. At a time when Jesus' disciples, though, were, were hiding, except for John, who was there by the cross, we find that those who had once been secret disciples, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they stopped hiding behind locked doors. 
and fear of tradition. And they let everybody know that they were followers of Jesus Christ. And there in that garden tomb, verses 41 and 42, as we close out, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, preparing for the Passover, for the tomb was nearby. If you go to Israel today, uh, there is a place where they'll take you to the garden tomb. It's near the old city of Jerusalem. It's kind of unique today because there's a bus stop right below the skull, the place of the skull. And the reason that there's a bus stop right below this is that they actually, this was Mount Moriah, and they had taken, they'd carved out the stone to build the temple in some of the city of Jerusalem. And so they carved away a bit of the mountain there, but they left the high point of Mount Moriah. This high point, I believe, is where Jesus was crucified. This high point, I believe, was where Abraham offered his son Isaac. This high point, I believe, is where Jesus was crucified and buried. They'll take you to a tomb today. You can walk into it. We don't know for sure if it's the same tomb that Jesus laid in. It could be. It was undiscovered for many years. In fact, the man who uh, cleared out the cave in his backyard was going to use it as a, a storage shed. And he called the Israeli government and said, I found this uh, tomb. And before he cleared any of the stuff out of it, he called them. They didn't show up for months. And so by the time they showed up, he'd already emptied it out. It could be that some of the stuff that would have been discovered was lost. Whether it's the place or not, we can't be sure, but we know that it was outside the city wall of Jerusalem. We know that it was there on Mount Moriah that Jesus died. Both of these things are in that proximity. But here we find Isaiah 53, 9 being fulfilled. They made his grave with the wicked, his death on the cross, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. These two men who had been secret disciples, they willingly stood for the Lord. Are you willing to stand for the Lamb of God who died to set you free? I just want to close with a couple of thoughts. And I'm not going to rehearse our, our message or the five points of the message. But I want us to think about as we close out, as we prepare for this song to be sung, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, his work upon the cross has made salvation possible to all who believe in him. Jesus is the Passover Lamb. And it is through Jesus that we are able, as we learned one of our scripture memory verses from earlier in the year in John 5.24, that we are able to pass from death into life. The Bible tells us, a prophecy about Jesus is Psalm 22, 6. But I am a worm, a no man, a reproach of men, despised by the people. This Hebrew word for worm speaks about um, a little worm that would uh, lay eggs and those eggs would be crushed to produce a crimson dye. This Hebrew word refers to that a crushing of that larva to produce this crimson dye. And we think about the horrifying death of Jesus upon the cross. We have to remember 
if he had not humbled himself as a no man, he would not have been crushed. His crimson blood would not have flowed and we would have no covering for our sins. Truly, he was forsaken for our sakes. The great evangelist um, preacher Spurgeon at once said, turn your eyes straightway to the wounds of Jesus. These are the founts of the never failing consolation from which if a man does drink just once, he shall forget his misery and remember his sorrow no more. And Father, I pray that we would be those who come to the fount of everlasting life, our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we would drink in the gift of salvation that has been made available to us through Jesus' death upon the cross, but also through his glorious resurrection from the grave. And so, Father, as we wait upon you now, as we close out in this last song, we pray, Lord, minister to our spirits. We ask, Lord, if there's any need among this congregation today, that they would open their hearts to you this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.